Hey everybody, welcome back to the channel. Thanks for joining us today. Before we get started, don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. If you like what you're seeing and you want to help support more featured athletes, coaches, and guests, make sure you subscribe and share. We are powered by Spirit Leaf Waterdown, located at 64 Hamilton Street North in Waterdown, Ontario. If you're looking for Canada's top cannabis stop, look no further than Alex and his crew at Spirit Leaf Waterdown. His knowledgeable staff are going to help you find all your THC and CBD products with the highest of quality. Online curbside pickup is available. And don't forget to like our Instagram and their Instagram and you'll save some money. We're also sponsored by Project XGuard. Project XGuard is an amazing program helping underprivileged youth get connected with Jiu-Jitsu throughout the GTA and they continue to do so. If you know anybody who would benefit from this program, make sure you reach out to us or Project XGuard and we'll help them get started with some amazing instructors. Thanks, everybody, and enjoy the show. Today, we have Gabe, the Hebrew Hammer segment. I don't know if that's your official nickname or not, but uh, I just bestowed it upon you. Gabe, how are you doing? I'm the first evening? one uh, who's given me that title. Where'd you get, where'd you hear that one originally? <laughs> uh probably you know what probably a friend in high school was the was the first time and then uh after that david aguzzi he he's the one who probably uh really uh gave it some attention <laughs> oh good old mr david aguzzi yeah. he's international now oh yeah yeah he's coming a long way he's blown up yeah i miss you know what i'm not gonna lie i miss i kind of miss uh repping some of those uh grappling industry tournaments what are uh, what are some of your your fond memories of of refing uh grappling industries oh boy um right off the top of my head uh, the one the, the the number one that sticks out is um i was refing the finals for um it was like for a spot on the next ebi that's what it was yeah that's what that's what i was gonna ask you is it this one sorry that's what I was going to ask you. Was it the EBI that, like, that was kind of like the one in Toronto where everything just went to, yeah. like, a bunch it, of people got hurt? and The one at uh, Ryerson there. And, like, honestly, it's my first time, uh, like, being a ref for that kind of format. So, um, you know, I basically just had, like, coaches, like, just, like, criticizing me, like, screaming at me, like, like, hey, like, there, there, there's something on the line here, you know? Like, uh, like we, we'd have the guys, like, set up in the overtime. And uh, I was just like, okay, come back. Whatever. He's like, hey, come on, man. Like, you got to make sure these guys are ready to go. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what your opinion is on EBI rules. Like, I'm not the – I mean, I like, I like it from a submission-only format. I'm not a big fan of, like, EBI overtime because I don't know about you or, like – or if you've watched a lot of EBI matches where it's like one guy just gets completely dominated for like the entire like regulation. And then over time it's like, well, I escaped the back slightly faster. I win, even though like they've been getting completely annihilated like the entire time. Yeah. No, a lot of times you're right. It's like, who has the quicker escape time? But uh, I mean, I guess the whole idea is like, you want to avoid it getting to that point in the first place. Um, I kind of prefer IBJJF for that reason, that it's like a little bit more like concrete, like who is a better guy, but 
I don't know. There's, there's, there's flaws in every, uh, you know, every format. It's like kind of like who plays the game better, I guess. So Gabe, where would you kind of say, like, when you look at all the different types of rule sets that there are, what's your favorite rule set that you've kind of seen or competed in? Um, I mean, like just from experience, like I've had the most experience doing IBGGF and, um, you know, obviously like there, there's a lot of limitations, especially Nogi, like a lot of people are going to criticize it for, um, you know, like the lack of leg locks, like being able to knee repeal hook. Although starting this year, they, they did start allowing that for, um, the brown and black, uh, adult competitors. Um, but I think like from a, like a philosophical standpoint, it kind of makes sense. Like you want to dominate position. And then when you look at that from like a, like a self-defense or even an MMA, MMA perspective, usually if you're dominating the position, you're, you're in a better position to kind of do damage. So it has more kind of like real life ap uh, applicability there. Yeah, so it's it's not like, hey, I'm gonna pull mount and then I'm gonna like go for a heel hook and <laughs> I think that's realistically idea. in MMA or sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say like that was kind of the idea, I think, when they like why they, they had those limitations on the leg locks is like they wanna encourage you um to pass the guard. So that's why uh, you know, I believe like it's not until brown belt that you're allowed to start doing more leg locks like the calf slicers, knee bars. Uh, that kind of thing. They want to make sure you have that good kind of fundamental um, positioning down first. I don't know. I'm hoping in the future, though, I think the, you know, with the OJA and like, you know, if we ever have tournaments in like the next decade, well, we'll like, we'll find out about that in the coming few. I feel like we're never going to see a jiu-jitsu tournament again, but when, uh, when tournaments are officially allowed again in Ontario, for those that are listening to us, we're, there's, there's no, there's basically no jujitsu right now, unless it's, you know, top secret and no one's talking about it, but hopefully when, you know, the OJA and they start getting tournaments again, hopefully they adopt some of these rules and you will see a lot more, uh, leg locks and you'll get to see Aaron sp yeah. uh, spa spazzing toe holds a lot more at tournaments coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Eventually we'll have some, I'll, I'll be there, you know, refing some matches with a full, uh, face shield on full. Yeah. <laughs> full it, it's been interesting. It's been interesting watching some of the tournaments, obviously in the U S like in Texas and Florida, like how they're kind of like making do and making it work. It's obviously a little, strange when you see competitors go and you just kind of like like if we're going to talk airborne it's out there right i don't think a face shield's really gonna protect you when you've got all these competitors all over the place right yeah no it's more just like i guess for the people that are like more uh more concerned it's more just like kind of to make them more comfortable i guess it's one way you could look at it but no yeah. i I agree with you. It's not really like, it's not really doing the job. I mean, you got to have some sort of regulations, but at the same time, like if you're going to a jiu-jitsu, if you're going to be competing in jiu-jitsu right now, you can't really socially distance, physical distance and do jiu-jitsu. It's one of those things that you're either doing it or you're not. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's just like, just the, the, the nature of like jiu-jitsu or any kind of like close contact exercise it's uh you know like scientifically that's probably one of the worst things you can do if you're trying to avoid this because like <laughs> the 
viral load is just going to be there, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's like anything. Like, two healthy people should be able to train and do it safely, right? It's just kind of – there's lines, obviously, and people have different opinions about stuff, and we don't need to really get into that. But, like, have you been able to, like, whether it's training on your own, figured out a system to, like, get training in or to teach online? Like, what have you kind of been doing in the meantime? Uh, I mean, like, right now, um, you know, I was teaching at um, – I have a spot I'm, I'm teaching at in Hamilton, so I have my own – business uh absolute bjj and i teach out of uh house of champions mma in um stony creek uh hamilton so so i was doing that but uh you know obviously we're, we're on lockdown right now so um can't really do that anymore um but you know outside of that uh you know i'm not gonna lie i was i was getting my uh my secret training in illegal <laughs> boa legal <laughs> well let's be honest like who isn't who hasn't done something illegal i don't even know what's legal and what's not anymore like i know yeah. i took my son i took my son skateboarding earlier today i think that was illegal i think i went for a walk that was illegal i think yeah. i went for a drive i think i was also illegal i don't know <laughs> you, you breathed t- uh, today illegal yeah. <laughs> uh so you can't feel bad, but uh, yeah, like how how has your training been during this? Like I know you have right, yeah, I know you have your brothers. Have you been training with them? Do you, are you you know you keeping it in the family? Do you have like a small group, a dedicated group that you see normally? You don't have to uh, name names. This isn't like uh, like a communist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Without a communist, a communist party naming of names. Yeah. I mean, without without saying too much, obviously, I do have like a a dedicated group that I've been. Um, doing some training with so I'm getting my rounds in you know I like I'm I'm doing everything I need to do to stay um sharp and ready like even for like a short notice uh fight opportunity I'm, I'm getting my sparring rounds in wrestling grappling uh, pad work you name it like uh strength and conditioning um actually just just now just recently um, um I reached out to a company it's called uh, Counter-Strike um, so basically they specialize in, um, combat sport athletes. So they work with a lot of fighters who are already in the UFC or, you know, all, even, even from like the amateur level, just people who are, who are looking to bring their fight specific, uh, strength and conditioning to the next level. So I'm just getting started with them. Uh, part of their program is, um, they mailed me this, uh, uh, whoop, whoop strap. So, oh, nice that um so yeah i'm like it's basically <laughs> I, I i like to i like to kind of joke it's like i'm on voluntary uh, house arrest but it's basically okay. just like bluetooth technology so it's just like monitoring like my strain and my my recovery um throughout the day especially when i'm sleeping um it gives me like a recommended like time from when i should be sleeping and like mm-hmm. for the fact it shows me okay, you slept for this many hours, this was ideal, you're at like 90%, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's pretty cool so far. So how have you modified your training with the, with the band? Because I've heard a lot about it and it's, it's pretty cool. It's basically, it's looking at like, you know, you know, what's your recovery? I think like, you know, everybody's talking about like recovery and in different modalities, even with that. So like, how have you been 
training with that and how have you modified your training to um so i like honestly really modified my training too much i'm still doing everything i was already doing it's more just i'm i'm more aware now of um like the type of recovery or 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 what's what would be considered optimal recovery right and um sleep is a big part of that and i kind of i already knew this like it's just kind of basic stuff like sleep hydration like a lot of things you kind of just even high level athletes like people at the highest level of uh professional sports um those those are the things that you got to really pay attention to so uh, i know yeah. i know especially with um the heart rate variability option on the whoop strap so it obviously is checking to like again optimal training so it's going to give you different rates of like okay this will be a high output day or it could be like a low output day have you found that beneficial especially when you utilize it um a little bit i mean again i'm, I'm just getting started like i've been on this for like maybe a couple of weeks now so okay. right now we're just kind of like baseline um testing just to kind of get a read of where I'm at, like some of my, my, um, my normal patterns. And then I'm going to get on a more like personalized, uh, specific mm -hmm. program, to try to get, get me to that next level. Um, but, uh, no, I think it's, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's pretty thorough. Like it's got, it's got all kinds of different features and stuff. You can even like, as like a journal feature, so you can even like log uh, different different behaviors. Like they they don't discriminate. You know if you're if you're if you're taking substances like whatever it may be, alcohol, um, marijuana. They they list all kinds of stuff, man. Even like crack, uh, meth, sexual <laughs> activity, masturbation, fentanyl. <laughs> so yeah, no, yeah. like like. Like Whoop is like a, a legit company. Like they've they've really yeah. upgraded their technology. I've read a bunch about them, and then one of our um, coworkers who kind of works with them as well. Especially they utilize it for like hockey players, football players, basketball players, and again, it's all about optimal training. So it's getting guys to do like, especially when you create your portfolio, basically through your as you've been yeah. doing it for like a month, you're gonna get a lot more out of it, and then obviously you're gonna be especially if they're like doing fight camps or something like that on the days or you're not feeling that good and it's like okay maybe it's just a subtar training day and that's how they're going to put you in recovery-based training and it's good that they kind of manage that for you yeah no 100 percent. that's that's important you know and and i felt that firsthand like uh you know i've had some training camps where like i push hard like really hard the the day before the night before or whatever and then i have a hard wrestling practice the next day and then I'm just like sluggish, like I'm not performing the way I normally should be. And um, I feel like that's that's really what it like majority of the time. I think a lot of uh, athletes are just overtrained because with a lot of us, our, our mind is a lot stronger um, than, than our bodies and our physical. You know, like we're just your mind's just saying, go, go, go. And sometimes your body can't keep up because you're, you're just pushing too hard. Yeah. So, so like, especially as like athletes more than anything. And like, we think about like, we're the fighters, jiu-jitsu athletes. And we like, okay, we always wanted to push. You get up early, 
go for a run, don't sleep, work all day and all that. Do you think as you become more of a professional, you have to hone that stuff in and like really focus on like recovery, like you said, like really focus on your nutrition or do you kind of like, you still kind of break the rules here and there. Where do you kind of see yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a balance, but I think, uh, you know, with something like whoop and, uh, you know, with more, you know, growing information and te technology and stuff like that, it's, uh, it's going to be easier to kind of, uh, like get a better read on it and manage it. And then, um, sometimes you have to just check your ego or, or your, your natural inhibitions. Uh, like you said, like if you, if I feel like I want to go like mentally, I feel like I can do it, but all the information I get, I'm getting like all the same, uh, signals is telling me otherwise. I, I just have to, you know, just breathe, relax, know that what, that what you're doing is, is going to be better for you in the long run. Nice. Um, uh... So talking about training, we've talked about that a lot already and talked about like kind of your current MMA training, but you started out, I believe, doing jiu-jitsu, started at Toronto BJJ, jiu-jitsu yeah. for life team now. So how did, how did that connection come to be? Because I know you've been there, you know, I believe a long time. Like, how did you end up uh, day one there? Uh, day one. So, I mean, we're, we're pretty much getting into my life story at this point, but pretty much like lifelong martial artist. Um, I started with, um, like my, my brother and I, we started with, uh, Shotokan karate. So I was doing that since I was like eight years old. And then up until around like 14 years old, I started, um, uh, started noticing UFC, MMA, uh, reading up on jujitsu. And like, at the time I'm just like a little skinny teenager, you know what I mean? I'm more like interested in self-defense. So I'm reading up on jujitsu and like, I'm seeing stuff like, you know, 90% of street fights are going to end up in like a grappling ground fight situation. And I'm thinking to myself like, oh man, like I've, I've wasted all the, all this time doing karate. Like I might have a black belt in karate, but what, what if somebody takes me down and puts me on my, my back? Now I'm a fish out of water. So that was kind of like what made me really want to start um, training jujitsu. Um, but I feel like in, you know, I feel like I always kind of had MMA in mind. Like that was always something I wanted to do. And when I first started at Toronto BJJ, it was a lot different than it is now. Um, you know, it's more like, it's more like kind of like a fighter's gym. Like they had uh, a lot more Muay Thai wrestling. Um, so, so I was training everything to start, you know, I was training, training the Muay Thai and everything, but um, just like because of my competitive nature, you know, I, I wanted to compete. I wanted to test myself. And it's kind of hard to do that when you're like a little kid. It's hard to just like jump right into MMA. It's a lot easier to do uh, jiu-jitsu competitions. So I just kind of fell in love with jiu-jitsu. And um, so, yeah, I kind of just like focused on that for a long time. Um, but then, you know, eventually some more like MMA, MMA opportunities started popping up. And then at that point you have to make a decision because like both, both sports have pretty much evolved a lot. Um, and it's like the days where you could be like a high level black belt competing in jujitsu and be in the UFC. It's, I feel like those days are kind of gone now. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you really have to pick one or the other. 
um, especially with the gi, you know, we have like all this lapel and everything now, like it's a, it's a whole other game. So I had to make like a choice at that point, like back in like, we're talking like 2012, 2013, I just decided like, okay, I'm going to switch my, my attention to MMA now. This is, this, this is where my heart's at. This is what I really desire. So yeah, pretty much ever since then, I've just been trying to like fill in the gaps and I still have that jujitsu background. Um, but it's just like, it's just been like learning how to make the jujitsu work for MMA, uh, round out the game. Um, yeah, just pretty much evolved from there. So like when you're talking about like, you know, you started in Shotokan and then you kind of branched from obviously all these different martial arts. And then you're also kind of like you transition into MMA together. Do you still kind of like utilize the style of Shotokan karate with everything else because like and the reason why i asked that because like i was just listened to an interview with george st pierre and he yeah. still utilizes that style in his when he was training when in his fight so it was very successful for him and then i've heard like a lot of times like guys stick with their original martial art because it's so natural for them and they obviously add more pieces into it yeah i mean like as far as like the actual techniques i don't really use um too much karate anymore but there's a lot of things I learned from Shotokan that um, that are kind of ingrained in me and that I, I can apply um, to what I'm doing. So even just like, you know, being like a like a young kid um, coming up, learning that martial art, I feel like it was a good base. Uh, even just like doing katas, like the forms, like all that kind of stuff, I feel like it was a good way for me to, to develop uh, like the balance, the coordination. Uh, the discipline, like all these qualities that are going to help you to learn other martial arts. And then um, like, I know one of the things um, GSP touched on is uh, the timing. So karate teaches you like a, a certain time. And uh, I think part of that is from the, the type of sparring we do. Like in Shotokan, I did uh, point sparring, which, you know, from like a realistic self-defense application, I, I don't particularly agree with it because it's more like touch sparring. It's like, you touch the guy and, and I did some competitions like that where it's like okay you touch the guy and that's a point and it's like you score a certain number certain uh, number of points and you win the match but that's kind of on the like uh, you know like one hit kills type philosophy where <laughs> obviously in a real fight <laughs> doesn't exactly work like that mm -hmm. um, wait a minute wait a minute the touch of death doesn't work in a real fight uh, I mean may maybe if you're a heavyweight you know what I mean? But, uh, but I, I feel like it did help me with the timing, uh, like, especially from the open space, uh, takedowns, which if you watch GSP's career, uh, that was a big thing that, that made him successful is that he was able to like, even though he didn't come from like a good, like collegiate, uh, collegiate wrestling background or anything like that, he was able to time guys, uh, coming in and just, uh, take them down, like catch their timing. So, I feel like I kind of have uh, some of those same qualities. So I think it's a lot of like intricate things, not necessarily like, okay, I'm knowing how to throw a, a certain jab or like a kick from like karate, but more like the little things like timing, you know, timing, different movements, like moving around, circling, like stuff like that is that you, yeah. can, that you like implemented more. Timing, that kind of thing. And, you know, that can, can go a long way too, right? question for you because i know 
this is obviously pre-COVID, but you had the opportunity to go train at the UFC Performance Institute. Yeah. What type of experience was that like, especially being in that type of atmosphere, obviously being at like the hub of like mixed martial arts right now? Oh man, that was, that, that was amazing. Like that was some of the, the best times being there. Like you have access to state of the art facility, um, their, their recovery center, like every day, pretty much every day. Um, at least once per day, I'm doing like a hot tub, cold tub, uh, recovery. They have like amazing cafeteria. Um, they have a trifecta system that they work with there. Um, this company, so they have like delicious, like high quality, healthy meals. Um, and then obviously like you, you, you see a lot of these guys that you're, you're watching, you look up to, and then I even have the, the opportunity to, um, to train with some of these guys. Um, I did some training at, um, extreme, extreme couture there in Vegas as well. So I'm, I'm training with, like a lot of the best fighters in the world. Um, I got to, to, to get a lot of rounds in with, uh, Joseph Benavides. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, it's, uh definitely a good good experience you know like just 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 being there with that that uh you know being around that environment mm -hmm. um that caliber of uh of competitors it just uh you know makes me feel like a lot more confident in myself and just just seeing where the level's at it's um it's definitely a huge a huge advantage i feel like it's helped me a lot in my career so getting into mma especially in ontario i think it's it's fairly difficult, I think, because there's not a lot of, there's not a ton of like Ontario regional organizations where it's just like, Hey, I'm going to turn amateur. Hey, I'm going to turn pro and I'm going to go here in Ontario. I know like in, you know, Quebec and Montreal, for example, like TKO has just become a new thing. And I know like even many years ago, that was like one of the organizations where a lot of people were fighting, but like for you, like making the transition to MMA, like how did you, like, what's the process like and how do you go about getting experience and getting fights? Cause I think that's one thing, or that's an issue. I think with a lot of people aspiring to do MMA locally, at least is they, they can't find anywhere to go. <gasps> yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, uh, you know, obviously like I've, I've been in this for, for, you know, quite some time now. And, uh, you know, everyone, everyone has their own path. Everyone has their own journey, but, uh, you know, and end of the day, like it's, you know, I'm just going to be real here. Like it's, it's kind of a shady business. Like people don't really, especially promoters, a lot of times, uh, not everyone, but oftentimes they, they don't have your best interest in mind. And uh, when I was just starting out, like I, I didn't have any management, you know, it was just like, I'd have a, a promoter reach out to me and they'd say like, uh, you know, maybe they, 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 they saw my on my fighter profile and they're, they're looking for like an opponent in said weight class or whatever, somebody in my, my weight class. And they're like, Hey, you want to fight? And I was just jumping on opportunities, you know? And uh, you know, some of my first fights, uh, it was, uh, it wasn't really like ideal circumstances, but, uh, but I took those risks, you know, I put my name out there. Um, I got some exposure 
And then when I really started to like um, take it seriously, um, I started working with um, Claude Patrick. So I consider him like kind of one of the, the Canadian MMA uh, or pioneers for MMA in Canada. And uh, so he has like a real cerebral mind. Like he took me under his wing and um, he, he, he really helped to like develop my game for MMA, like make that transition from jujitsu to MMA. And um, so, yeah, I got some, I did a few fights with him and then he referred me to uh, Cruel Inn, who I'm training under now. And, uh, you know, he's, he's actually one of Claude's um, original coaches, like a striking coach. He's worked with, obviously worked with a lot of uh, the big names to, to come out of Canada. So he's, you know, he's a great, great coach, good management. Um, so I was fortunate to, to, to get connected with him. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, you know, especially starting out, you want to make sure you're, you're taking the right fights. You're not getting set up, um, to lose to the hometown guy. Cause majority of my career, I've been like the bad guy coming in to fight the, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's worked out most of the time, but it's not exactly ideal, but, um, but yeah, you just, you just want to really like be aware of, uh, what you're getting into, what are the risks involved and just making sure you're prepared, like making sure you get a proper fight camp, um, a fair opportunity, you know, you, you don't want to get set up. Yeah. Aaron, you don't want to get set up. You hear that, right? Yeah, no, absolutely not. You've, you've, had, no, you've, I, I, you've had your one MMA fight and now you're retired. Yeah, that's it. No, but I, like I've, I've heard of the horror stories where especially like even when and I'm talking like the earlier days, like especially when in Ontario, when they used to do like the smoker fights on the reservations and yeah. basically they would have again, it's all shady promotions. And again, some of them were really good. Some of them were obviously questionable, but again, it's promoters trying to get fights for individuals and they're just setting them up incorrectly, not paying guys on this thing, they're going to pay guys like all sorts of miscellaneous bullshit. Right. And then it's like, if you get the opportunity to maybe take a fight in the U S or Alabama or Detroit or something like that, and then you're still getting screwed over, especially so early in your career. And it really filters a lot of people out of the sport. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I feel that, you know, and, uh, you just got to keep your wits about you and, uh, just, uh, just, just keep the, keep the dream alive, you know, keep training hard and you can't, you can't let one setback, uh, discourage you, you know, cause I've seen that happen with, uh, with a lot of my teammates, people I've known, um, you know, they, they've had some fights that maybe didn't go their way and then they just get discouraged and they kind of fall off. And, uh, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna stick it through, if you're going to be anybody in the sport, um, you, you have to know how to deal with adversity, how to come back from, from loss. Uh, even the guys that are successful in the sport, you know, sometimes you can hit a, hit a breakthrough, like look at, um, look at, uh, Masvidal, you know what I mean? Like he was kind of, some people would consider him a journeyman, but then he had that one year in, in 2019 where he just kind of broke through and now he's one of the superstars of the sport. So it's just, uh, you know, it's just holding on to that dream, believing in yourself. Number one, you got to be your own biggest fan. 
your own number one supporter and just, uh, you know, just, just put the work in and, and understand that it's going to take time and, um, and eventually you can get there. So looking back on, you know, like maybe fights you've had or like training that you've done, like, what are some, I guess, like, what are some things that you kind of want to take back or like, I don't call them mistakes. You can call them that. Like, what um, are some things you want to take back or, or like, what are some things you would do differently? And then, yeah. So like, what are some things you would do differently? And then even like going forward, like what's advice that you would give just somebody who's listening to this going, Hey, you know, I want to start pursuing, you know, MMA or I want to make a transition from jujitsu to MMA. Like what advice would you give them? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, okay. So I'll, I'll answer the first part of that. So what would I do differently? Um, you know, I can answer this in one of two ways. So the first thing I could say is I, I changed nothing because if I didn't make those mistakes, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the, the, the man and the, the fighter I am today. Right. Cause what's a, what's a loss if you don't learn from it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's one that really sticks out to me, it would be, um, I had an opportunity in uh, Romania. So I fought in Romania a number of times and that's where, um, my, my, uh, coach, crew Lynn he's from there originally so he has some uh, connections there so I fought for a a big promotion there called uh, RXF and there was one fight I had there um, we're talking like end of December or towards end of December uh, 2017 and pretty much um, I was fighting uh, the Romanian McGregor like I'm not looking like just in terms of like how they were hyping this guy up. Like I'm, I'm sitting there in my hotel room jet lagged at like 3am in the morning or whatever it is time there. I'm just like flipping through the channels and I see this guy come up on the TV. Like they're actually showing like a clip of McGregor and then they're showing this guy's face. Like he's fighting on this card. Like they're hyping this guy up. So, you know, I came there to like win, make a big name, or, or, you know, make, make something of myself. And, uh, pretty much, um, I caught like a really bad, um, travel bug. Like I, you know, just, just me being stupid. Like I was drinking the tap water, which, uh, Oh, that Romanian water will get you. It's like, yeah. I don't know what's worse, Romanian water or COVID, but apparently it might be Romanian water. Yeah. So like a few days out or even like a day before the fight, like, um, you know, I don't want to be too explicit, but, uh, I was, I was pretty bad. Like I was sitting on the toilet. Um, my weight cut was a lot harder than usual. And, and I didn't, I didn't even cut too much weight. You know what I mean? But, uh, uh you were cutting weight actually. It was just going out the other end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's one way to put it. But I just felt like real sluggish, like, three hours before I was supposed to fight, I felt like I needed to just, uh, pass out. Like I needed to just like lie on the bed and and have like a good solid nap. But, you know, my mind was just focused on winning that fight. And then like, even during the warm up, I just felt off. Like I was real sluggish. Um, first round starts, like I'm moving around, you know, I'm trying to get my groove and stuff. And, uh, I just like at that point I knew like probably made a mistake here um ended up going the three rounds 
Um, I did, I did get a point deducted at one point, which was kind of controversial because it was a down opponent and I need the guy to the body, but the referee mistakenly thought I need the guy um, in the head. Um, kind of like what, what we just saw happen, re happen recently with uh, Piotr Jan and Alvin mm -hmm. But that's not what happened. Like it was completely legal. It was like, if you remember like Anderson Silva, Chel Sonnen, when he- uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 it was just like boom, right in the body. Right in the body. That's what I did. Like I, I might've even been able to TKO the, point, uh, TKO the guy from that point. But I got the point taken away and then it went to a decision and, uh, you know, obviously fighting like Romanian guy, Romanian McGregor, hometown guy, decision's not going to go my way. So, mm -hmm. you know, that was kind of shitty, but, uh, but like even that, like even just like feeling like garbage, uh, and again, like in hindsight, looking back on that, like that was quite possibly one of the most like idiotic things I've done in my entire life. Cause like, I'm in a, like a very depleted dehydrated state. I'm taking shots to the head. I could have got knocked out, you know, thank God I didn't. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was, I, I'd say that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you like a mistake on like the, the water and the weight cut or the mistake of like continuing the fight. Oh, the, I, I, I should have called off the fight. I should have called. Okay. Call have told the the organization like hey like i just, i can't do this like i'm sorry guys like we gotta we gotta pull the plug on this one yeah no that that totally makes sense but let me ask you this just because like you you touched on it with the the downs need strike right so you look at like two outcomes that just happened recently like the demetrius johnson match yeah. that we just saw and then you look at the peter yan versus al jamal sterling where there's yeah. like the intentional needs on, and the rule sets are different. Right. So yeah. what, do you, what, what's your opinion on the rule sets? Do you think the rule sets should include the down knee uh, to the head or no? Right. Is it, what do you think? Uh, man, you know, this uh, is a real tricky question because like, if you want to get as pure as possible, like, you know, UFC, uh, the UFC is, has marketed itself as as real as it gets, or, or at least they they used to go by go by that back in the day. Um, so I think like fighting in the purest form is the least amount of rules possible. So if you go back to like like the old days, like no, no holds barred fighting, Valley uh, Tudo, which was popular in Brazil, yep. um, that's pretty much no rules. So if you want to look at it like that, then I think um, what they're doing with with one is more realistic with being able to to knee a down opponent to the head. Um, but it just changes the game, you know. Like you have to be aware of the the rule set you're playing in. Um, same thing goes for jujitsu, right? Like we're doing yeah. submission, heel hooks. Um, I don't know. Personally, uh, you know, I'd be, you know, I'm a gamer, so I'm down for, for either rule set or I'm down for as little rules as possible. But I feel like even with one, like I'm not in, I'm not entirely sure, but I think like if you're a guard player and the guy's in your guard and they're on two knees, you're not allowed to upkick them to the face from what I understand. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I believe that you have to be standing. 
He has yeah. been standing. Well, I, I think uh, I think Anderson Silva's gotten disqualified for that like many many years ago. Where yeah, yeah, Anderson knocked out Yushin Okami mm-hmm. back in the day, and that was yeah. like a record, like a DQ loss for that. So I feel like if you can knee a guy to the head, you should be able to do that as well. So I don't know. I feel like you know if if you're talking about like marketing the sport. It, it, you know, it looks more brutal. There's more risk for injury. So in that sense, it might make more sense to go with like more of like the unified um, MMA rules like you see in the UFC. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, is there any, is there any other rule changes you like to see in MMA that haven't been implemented yet? Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's a tricky one. Uh, maybe, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of ripping off of Joe Rogan, but like, uh, he thinks like they, they do too many standups. Uh, I think so too. like mm-hmm. I was just on top and there's not too much action going on on the ground. And like, I might be a little bit biased coming from a jujitsu background, but, uh, I feel like that's kind of robbing the guy a lot of times. Like you work to take the guy down, get to that position and now the referee is going to stand you up uh, and, and take all that work away from you. But at the same time, uh, again, now we're going back to like the sports entertainment value. So you got you kind of have to remember that at the same time. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a fan of like frequent standups. Like you get taken down. It's well, you got taken down. So, you know, figure out how to get back up. Um, Bryce, I gotta ask you because you, you asked me about like what are like what would I what would I have done differently, and then I think there was a second question. I don't know if you, re- <laughs> if you recall, but I think there's like a second part to that. You a second part to that? Oh, I think it's just what what would you have done differently, and like what do you like with your like training and your like future? Like, what are you looking to? What are or, you? What are you looking to get at into next? Basically. Okay. Uh, just like future in general or, or like as a athlete future as an athlete. And then we can go future in general as well. What's next for Gabe segment. The world wants to know the dozens and dozens of people who download this podcast, right, Aaron? Well, well hundreds. Right now, hundreds. Yeah. In the past, uh, like starting since last, last month, um, I started working with, uh, black belt magazine, Jiu-Jitsu Canada. Um, so they just launched their, um, or Black Belt Magazine Jiu-Jitsu, they just la- launched their uh, website recently. Um, so they're working with a number of different countries, obviously Canada, US, uh, I believe uh, Brazil, Australia, Japan. Um, so r- right now, um, like I'm working on, basically I'm doing, uh, I'm working on writing articles, uh, hosting interviews, um, so I've written a number of articles already. I think they, they should be up on the website and it's just like various topics, uh, relating to jujitsu. Um, so I've written about like why you should train in jujitsu, um, food as, as it relates to jujitsu, like acai, Gracie diet, um, MMA and jujitsu, um, just, just this week I, I did an interview with, um, uh, James Liu, might have heard of him, um, owner at uh, Luke Strength and Therapy. Yeah. Yeah, Shout out. Um, so I'm gonna ru- I'm gonna pretty soon I'm going to be um, releasing an interview 
that kind of speaks on uh, like injuries as they relate to jiu-jitsu and kind of just uh, more information there. So it's just a way for me to, you know, eventually um, I'm going to, you know, obviously there's, there's some profit involved here. Like I'm going to get paid for my work. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's a good way for me to like, just stay involved with the jiu-jitsu community, even outside of training. And then I can kind of utilize, uh, some of the skills I developed in university. So I, I do have some education, you know, I went to, uh, I went to U of T, I got a bachelor's degree there. Um, I wouldn't exactly say like, that's where my heart's at. Like once I completed my undergrad, my mentality was kind of like, okay, I've done enough education. I'm just going to focus on martial arts now. Like I, <laughs> I don't need to go to school anymore. I'm good. I got a university degree. My <laughs> parents can get off my back. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to train MMA, bro, bro, yeah. bro. Yeah. Let, let me bang, bro. <laughs> just let me bang, bro. I got my UFT let me bang. Just let me bang. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, uh, but yeah, so like, that's one of like, kind of like one of the end of yours of, I've uh, just kind of taken on right now, especially like with COVID going on, business being shut down, I have more time on my hands. So I'm just kind of looking at, um, honestly, I'm just, uh, I've just kind of like adopted more of like an entrepreneurial mindset where I'm just trying to like expand and like take on like multiple streams of income, um, apply myself, like anything that's within my power and control, any way that I can like develop myself, contribute to society. Uh, I'm going to do that. Well, I think that's a smart thing to do, right? Obviously, especially in the time where you can't get the type of training that you would like to, you know, fights are not that readily available at the moment, but you can still train to some extent, but then you're also, you're thinking about the future. So there's other ways down the road, how you're going to do certain things. Yeah, exactly. And like, even in the MMA world, right? Like with professional sports, uh, these guys have endorsements, they have their own companies, products, you know, um, McGregor has proper 12, Dustin Poirier has his, his own hot sauce. So there's like, mm-hmm. there's opportunities there. You know what I mean? Like you have to work on, like I have my business, but I, I look at myself as like my own personal brand too. Like you have to find ways to like market yourself and uh, just kind of expand, you know? So what products are we going to expect from Gabe Sagman in the future? Uh, man, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I'd like to maybe have my own uh, beer. Like I'm big into the craft beer. I know you guys had uh, Darson Hemmings on here not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he kind of touched on that, so... Yeah, if you want to talk beer, I'll talk beer with you all day. Michael's <laughs> the little guy that doesn't like to do anything, so yeah no we're, we're we're sponsored currently by spirit leaf water down and uh we get all of our devil's lettuce references and things from there they have all the gummies chocolate that you can think of you should check them out as well yeah um, i would now i thought i would never see the day where you know jiu-jitsu is illegal and mary jane is not <laughs> yeah yeah that's a that's a good way to put it <laughs> So the craft beer, what else? Craft beer. Um, will we, hold on. Will we see an OnlyFans from Gabe Sagman sometime in the future? Hey, well, you know what? 
um, supply and demand. So, so far, um, I haven't had too many people ask for that one, but uh, when it comes to shove, uh, if it makes sense, you know, then, uh, you know, we might be talking. For those listening on audio, Gabe Sagman made the money, uh, the money reference. He was rubbing his hands together. Yeah. So basically, if the price is right, he will prostitute himself right. for yeah. on, on OnlyFans. Me and Aaron were, were thinking about that, but then also, yeah, and was, I think it was like negatives, unfortunately. Yeah, we're, we we decided that we'll produce a hat instead, and we'll sell that. <laughs> you know what? Maybe uh, maybe I'll, I'll have my own uh, cryptocurrency. How about that? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you can. How do you? What, what's what's it going to be called? Uh, something something coin, samurai coin, samurai coin, swag coin. Yeah. <laughs> this swag coin is the, is going to be the new uh, the new way to to store your money in the future. Yeah. You, you can take lessons off of Darson because he's like full out like cryptocurrency trading right now. That's all I see on his Instagram. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much uh, he pretty much took like the same passion, like the same mentality he applied to jujitsu, where you're just like drilling at all hours, like trying to like take mm-hmm. in as knowledge as you can, and he's just like all in on the on the trading right now so hey hey all the know? power to him if he can yeah. do it hey and if he can do it and be successful all the power to him and i think that's that's a, he's that might type of mentality where he's young enough he's got enough time to do it why not <laughs> yeah. yeah aaron if you're if are you going to be starting a cryptocurrency anytime soon it's all the rage now <laughs> I don't. I barely understand the the current cryptocurrency. <laughs> is your coin going to be called Ginger Coin? Is that the question? No. Is that, is no. that going to be the name of the coin? I'm I'm going to stick with Doge Coin. Stick with I, Doge. I'll just start trading. I'll just start trading that instead. Bolo Coin. Bolo Coin. Yeah, Bolo. Bolo. I'm kind of pissed because I was looking to try to buy it just just for shits and giggles, and like I couldn't find it. What the hell? You can't. You have to buy it on a certain different. It's like block trade, or, or I, I don't know. They, you can't do it like on Wealth Simple and these other things. Like it's on certain different sites. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta like create your own app and everything. You need you need the full control there. You need all the technology. Yeah. So usually, usually we end with some interesting questions and I think Aaron banned one of my questions earlier, but so I made up another one instead. <laughs> so you yeah. know, you're getting into MMA, you need to learn a lot of different aspects of MMA. So striking, wrestling. So oh, if you had, sorry, to, if you, sorry to cut you off, I think that was the question you had earlier is like, what advice would you give for somebody? Uh, yes, that's it. We're getting back to that. And then I'll, I'll ask you my, my follow-up. Go ahead. Yeah. So I would say like, and, you know, obviously speaking from personal experience, uh, strike strikes changes the game, right? So depending on your style of jujitsu, especially if you're a guard puller, uh, just understand that you can't really play open guard the same way in MMA. Um, you're going to get in the face. Uh, I believe it was Carlson Gracie senior who said, um, you know, punch a black belt, once in the face, he turns into a brown belt, punch him again, becomes a, becomes a purple belt. You get the idea. Um, so you just have to understand like what actually works in a, in an MMA or a realistic 
uh, fighting situation. Um, Damian Maya is probably the best example, in my opinion, at least of like someone who is able to successfully go from a competitive jiu-jitsu background to making it work in MMA. And if you watch what he does, like he stays very tight. Uh, sometimes he'll even shoot and then pull half guard, but he's still keeping that close space. He's still working the mm-hmm. underhooks and he's not allowing any space for the guy to posture up or, or land uh, too much uh, serious damage. So it's just uh, being, being aware of the, the distance, the control, um, the techniques that, that work for MMA. And then um, just kind of going from there, work on your wrestling, make sure you have the wrestling, make sure you have the takedowns because uh, again, you could be a high level black belt, but if you can't bring the fight to the ground, you're not going to be able to uh, utilize your jujitsu. Okay. So now to my question that Aaron's probably going to have to edit out, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) there's three scenarios and you have to, you have to pick, one that you have to that you have to do so scenario number one is a black belt bjj match with bushesha that's yep. one number two 12 rounds with floyd mayweather okay or, or round three um you have to wrestle 10 bucktees in the middle of downtown toronto go which one well right off the top of my head um i'm gonna use the for 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 those listening right now i'm using the <laughs> uh, i'm gonna have to go with the, the mayweather fight because uh that's the money fight that's the money fight um but the one that would be the most uh fun for me is probably uh the third one <laughs> from the mean streets of toronto <laughs> uh i'm not gonna drop any names but uh you know just from some of my peers and uh other people I've dealt with uh, throughout my lifetime. Uh, I would say I actually have some experience in this realm already. Um, so I feel like it's a situation I could probably handle handle better than most. That'll work. I like no. it. <laughs> Aaron, do you know what a bhakti is? I'm just afraid to ask. <laughs> Gabe, would you like to explain to Aaron, because he's over the age of 40, what, what that is? Well, first of all, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm, uh, I'm fluent in uh, Toronto man slang. Uh, <laughs> but uh, pretty much uh, a bhakti is like, uh, like a bum or, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, shade on on the homeless because you know some people they you know just circumstantial they end up there and they're they're trying to do better for themselves but some people it's it's more of a choice i'd say where you're just kind of you're just kind of drifting oh it's like a drifter basically yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) Aaron, you thought it was something much worse probably i was i thought it was something much worse Well, we've talked about a lot of messed up stuff on here, and I'm pretty sure that's probably nowhere near the worst of it. So don't don't uh, worry. Like, hey, I'm just trying to make sure people don't get demonetized or like sued. That's it. That's all I'm trying to do. Well, I I, th- I think also what I've realized is we can't talk about the the M word, uh, the uh, 
the devil's lettuce, if you know what I'm saying, if this is on YouTube. Yeah, technically you're not supposed to. They like to, so we'll just, we'll just have funny, uh, I think we'll just refer to it to different ways. So MJ, Mary Jane, devil's lettuce. Loud. Gas. Cloud. Gas. gas. Yeah. <laughs> All the other stuff. You can say, can you, you can say uh, cannabis though. No, 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 I don't know about that. You're gonna have to edit that out <laughs> now. See, no, oh, well, <laughs> I can't win. <laughs> too many rules. I hate rules. Whatever. Spirit, Spirit Leaf Water Down, ten percent off. Ch Podcast ten at the door. Curbside pickup. There's a new one. My my own strain. Let's go. I need my own strain. My own, you own strain. Oh, there, there you go. go. Your own strain. What there what would go. that what would that be? The uh, the Hebrew hammer. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it, but, uh, let's go with, uh, some kind of like, uh, sativa dominant hybrid. Let's go with there that. You go. <laughs> very nice. I like it. Well, Gabe, I do want to thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. We always like to let our guests kind of like have a shout out to their sponsors or anybody you want to thank before you sign us off. Oh man, uh, put, putting me on the spot here, but, uh, but yeah, you know, thank, thank you guys for having me. Um, shout out to my, my team, House of Champions MMA, Cruel Inn, um, my extended family at uh, Toronto BJJ Jiu-Jitsu for Life team, um, Hyperfly, Super Bolo, uh, shout out Clifford Brewing, my, my local brewery, uh, Bees Universe, that's... Uh, they're a smaller company, but, uh, you know, they, they've been supporting me for, for a while now. They're at a, a farmer's market I, I go to in uh, Toronto um, sometimes. Um, Float Toronto, they, they've hooked me up with some floats. Um, anyone I'm, I'm forgetting, uh, I apologize. You know who you are. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. All right. We'll leave it at that then. So everybody, thank you so much, Gabe. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We definitely want to do it again. Hopefully we get training. We want to talk about eventually your next upcoming fight when that is, whenever that is, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Take care. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody.